The following is a production of 97.9 ESPN Radio, Tallahassee's Sports Authority. Lock into your radio dial for 97.9 ESPN Radio's official post-game show, Wake Up Knowles. It's time to recap all the action of another seminal game day with your seminal insiders, Tom Block and Keith Jones. Wake Up Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, serving the Big Bend area since 1995. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones. Good morning, everybody. What a difference a week makes. Winning feels better, even if the caliber of opponent was perhaps not quite as quality as it was last week against Louisville. Tom Block and Keith Jones with you. And, KJ, uh, when the scoreboard numbers are pointed in your favor, 55-35, you are going to feel a little bit better than what it was last week. Your ultimate objective, the dumb statement, is to win the ballgame. Now, we'll take a little bit of time in the sixth hour to talk about how it looked in winning that ball game, but that was the number one objective coming into the week. Uh, you accomplished that, so everything else is criticism, but it's constructive criticism as opposed to, oh my gosh, what in the world's going on, which would have been uh, what everyone was saying had Florida State not won uh, against USF. I will say that, and we'll get to this in terms of playing a complete game, but for about a half of football, from midpoint of the first quarter, late first quarter, to midpoint of the third quarter, late third quarter, Florida State played pretty well both sides of the ball. They they got USF off the field. They were productive offensively. That was pretty good football. There was, uh, what, seven or eight consecutive possessions by the Bulls uh, that they did not score. Uh, Florida State likewise had six, maybe six of the seven or six of the eight where they did put points on the board. So you're exactly right. You take away the first couple of minutes of the ball game and take away the last quarter, quarter and four minutes, quarter and five minutes, and you're, you see the foundation being laid of what this Florida State football team can do when they're, when they're playing with energy, when they have a sense of urgency, and when they're you know, getting in position and executing uh, whatever's being called for them. So a couple of big things right off the bat. First of all, and we'll get to when we when we spend a segment talking defense, we'll get to the why. But in terms of uh, the response for Florida State, they fall down, uh, fall behind on the first play of the game, seven zip, but uh, immediately come back, tie the game, fall behind again, immediately come back, and then tilt it in their favor. I thought that was a good sign for the team. The best takeaway from that is that Florida State's defense answered each time that USF scored. In other words, it, it came about in different ways, and then after that first two series, then that long string of, of getting off the field came into play. That tells me two things. Number one, and we'll talk about this more as we get to it, but there's still some intensity and urgency issues at the very beginning of the ball game that need to be addressed. And secondly, this team can you know, learn on the fly. They don't have to wait to halftime for adjustments to be made. They can do in-game adjustments as well as halftime adjustments. We saw the first signs of that uh, in Tampa. 55-35 was the final score. Now, Jimbo Fisher's message at halftime was to finish the game. Uh, basically saying, guys, we had them on the mat and we let them up a little bit. And then, unfortunately, that's what happened in the second half as well, which is why Jimbo Fisher was a little uh, curt, shall we say, with the media in his postgame, uh, and he was on the radio network as well. He was he was frustrated by what he saw from his team there in terms of their uh, losing focus, whatever you want to call it, not having the killer instinct, but they, they went back to not minding their P's and Q's in that fourth quarter. His frustration, I think, Tom, is basically that of disappointment. 
Uh, he knows these kids are capable of doing the things that they're being asked to do. And now we've got another situation, arguably a third time, if you go back to the first half of the old Miss game, when they're not listening to what they're being told, they're not executing what they've practiced during the week, and as a result, they're in a situation where they just simply shouldn't be, either behind or in a close ball game or giving up way too much yardage defensively or too many penalties offensively or any of the other things. And the, and the second part of that is, unfortunately, that's what speaks to youth. Youth don't know yet quite how to uh, take an opponent completely out of the ball game once you get them down. Uh, that's not to say that they can't do it, but it's just to say they've got to learn to do it, and that's still a, a work in progress, and that disappoints Coach Fisher. Well, and, and speaking of a disappointed Coach Fisher, courtesy of Seminoles.com, let's listen to some of his post-game comments following what was uh, ultimately a big win on the scoreboard, uh, but still some work to do clearly, and you can hear it in Jimbo's tone of voice here. We come out on top of the game, got a lot of things to fix, offensively, defensively, special teams still very, oh, just okay, it's just okay. Got to get ready and play a really good North Carolina team next week. Did you think when they hit that first play of the game for a touchdown, there was no here we go again? No, I was getting ready to try to go. We had to go score some points. I don't, I don't you know, just need to stop it. How refreshing was it to see the run game kind of flourish today? What, what kind of change compared to last week? We did some better things at the last scrimmage, and then we made some – our runners ran good, and uh, quarterbacks even ran good on some things. And our line, you know, at times blocked good, but there's still some things we left out there, and we got to get cleaned up. Dalvin's day? Yeah, nice day. Jimbo, the defense had nine straight stops at one point. How disappointing was it that you, you keep having to play your starters on offense because they couldn't get stopped late? Well, I mean, we got to we got to stop that. I mean, played, got off the shock and then played really, really good. We got to learn to finish games and play sixty minutes, and that's what we're not doing, and we're going to learn to do it. How were they able to get nine straight stops? Did their job. I, I mean, that did their job. You know, Dalvin over three hundred all-purpose yards today. Just talk about his performance. Did his job. <laughs> Or you, you tell the team after the 14-7 when USF took that, uh, that second touchdown, did you tell them anything? Called the next play. Are you as upset as you were at halftime based on the uh, the interview? I guess it's kind of a little chippy. we got to keep doing our job. we gotta, we got to coach better and we got to play better. How was this week after coming off the, the Louisville loss? How did they respond and how was the week? Okay. we got, we got to coach better and we got to play better. we got to practice better and we got to prepare better. Still got a long way to go. Long way to go. Who? Dickerson. What was your assessment of Rule and Dickerson today? Did okay. John Patrick. Um, good game for him. Did what he's supposed to do. Jimbo, you seem to get DeAndre uh, more involved in the running game. Was that the plan going in? No, we had we had to create some angles and we had to do it and try to get a numbers deal because we had to play. We had to check them. That was we checked them and checked two things and. He's got to learn to play, and he needs to, he needs to control. He's doing better, but he needs to control the game better. So Jimbo disappointed. The upside of that is that uh, when you play a perfect game, you've got to really nitpick to find some things to motivate your players. Jimbo's not going to have that problem this week. Had 60 minutes of uh, tape to look at from Louisville. 
to correct. Got about uh, 22, 23 minutes of tape to look at for corrections uh, against the Bulls. Yeah, improvement. And, and obviously, go back to my prior and first comment. You won the ball game. There were certain times during the ball game where you were controlling it. Now the focus has got to be on that needs to be 23, 24 minutes twice, i.e. 46, 48 minutes, and then ultimately 60, and i.e. the whole ball game. Well, one thing when you look at the tape that's going to look a lot like tape from last year is Dalvin Cook. We've been asking all year, where is the burst from Cook? What's wrong? Some people thought it was his leg. Some people thought it was his shoulder. Whatever it was, it was not bothering him on Saturday against USF. You and I had talked during the week, both publicly and privately. You know, was he injured? Was he was he uh, scared? Is not the right word, but was he protecting himself? Particularly, we we criticized him uh, with his past bi- uh, pro uh, blitz pickup uh, against Louisville. Just that's something he's always excelled at, and he ju- he was just horrible against the Cardinals. Not the case in the ball game down at Tampa. Uh, that first. First play, you know, so much of a reminder comparison already being made to the run at Clemson. Uh, you know, USF scores on the on the deep pass and immediately first play from scrimmage, the offense answers. You couldn't ask for a better response from a team standpoint, and certainly all the credit goes to that offensive line and to Dalvin. Uh, we did see the old Dalvin in uh, many more times uh, during the ball game, and we'll hear from Dalvin uh, coming up a little later in the program. Uh, also notable on the sideline. And, and, well, Dalvin, first of all, I thought he showed better leadership yesterday than maybe I've seen from him. Now, I'm not always there, so I don't see what goes on every day at practice. Uh, But uh, he was a leader not just on the field but also with his words, and I'll touch on that later. Derwin James was able to travel with the team this week. And his presence alone, uh, you can tell that he's a vocal leader as well. And I know he couldn't get out there and play. And I know he's just a true sophomore. But just watching the interaction from the defensive backs, uh, particularly the safeties coming off the field, uh, it was good to see Derwin. In attendance. You look to your upperclassmen for leadership, Tommy. Well, there's only nine seniors on this team, and only six or seven of them play, and two-thirds of them are the offensive side. So on the defensive side of the ball, you just don't have a lot of people that have been there three or four years. As a result, guys that have been there two years, in the case of Derwin, or others, have got to step up. You've got to have some vocal leadership. There's there's leaders by example, and then there's leaders by what they do and what they say. And you've got to have a mix between the two. And if you don't have upperclassmen doing the vocal verbal part, then it's going to fall to the shoulders of those youngers, the younger ones, and they just have to rise to the occasion. It's unfortunate that Derwin is out because one of the things that kids look at as it relates to someone being vocal is what are you doing on the field if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and that eye in the sky that tape is showing that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing then you have a platform to talk from Derwin's a little bit handicapped right now because he's not able to be out there on the field but obviously his past performances have given him let's say an extended platform that he can use while he's rehabbing Yeah, no question, and there is no word on his rehab timetable. It's worth noting, though, uh, and again, we'll talk defensively for a full segment. You played without Derwin James. You played without Josh Sweat. You played with a Derek Noddy that's not 100%, and you played a half of football without Trey Marshall, and all that does factor in to to what the the product was on the field. You've got to preach the concept, which Coach Fisher and Coach Coach Kelly does, which is next man up. But there's a reason there's a starter and there's a backup. 
because the starter has proven to be better at that position than the backup. So when the starter goes down, there's going to be somewhat of a natural fall off just by the way things in the pecking order go. But that next one has to step up and then they've got to start rapidly improving. We're seeing a lot of kids get some playing time. You're seeing some kids continue to play a little better, but there's improvement still needed as Florida State moves ahead. Need to mention, of course, that uh, this program is brought your way by the fine folks at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. If you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go ahead and visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and also 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Visit them online at www.ctf.nu. That is Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Overall, uh, quick grades before we go to break KJ offense offense I've given a good B plus offense got a good B plus defense uh, they're about C plus and special teams uh, probably about a solid B okay there you have it which is much better than the I didn't ask you for grades a week ago but I know what they would have been uh, last week they flunked <laughs> this week they passed the GPA is moving up yes we are moving on up in the right direction we'll continue come back and uh, talk more about Florida State's big win over USF right after this wake up Knowles return next on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Strike through the competition with your heavy-duty Milwaukee power tools. M18 Fuel, two-tool combo kit, $100 off, plus free third battery or cordless hacksaw while supplies last. Offer good in both locations. Tallahassee location open from 8 a.m. till noon on Saturday. Trade-ins are welcomed on Milwaukee brands. $100 off different Milwaukee power tools. Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, your professional, serious, do-it-yourself shop. 1110 Stuckey Avenue in Tallahassee or at 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Visit online at ctf.nu. In a world full of rules and restrictions, Boost Mobile offers a new idea. Introducing Unlimited, unhooked for just $50 a month. No overages, no games. Just the freedom to rock tunes 24-7. Show the world what they missing when they don't follow you. So if you out there living that unlimited life, Unlimited Unhook is the plan for you. Set yourself free with Boost Mobile. A proud sponsor of an unlimited world. Boost Mobile. Where you at? Streaming is optimized with video at up to 480p plus resolution and music at extreme quality. Data to prioritization applies during congestion. Service subject to certain terms. Plans include unlimited domestic talk, text, and data. Unlimited music streaming available from select providers with some streaming requiring paid subscription or fee. Visit boostmobile.com slash data free music as providers or services may change. Taxes and fees may apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere and subject to change. Offer prohibited network use rules and other restrictions apply. See boostmobile.com or store for details. Wake Up Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener. Serving the Big Bend area since 1995. Now, more from Tom Block and Keith Jones. We are back. Tom and Keith with you. Florida State wins at 55-35 to over USF. 28 carries, 267 yards, two touchdowns, four receptions, 62 yards. Dalvin Cook looked like Dalvin Cook of 2015 yesterday, and let's, let's expound upon this now. Well, two things. Number one, you know, the first play for scrimmage, uh, we talked about the need for urgency. We didn't see it on the defensive side, but you obviously saw it on the offensive side. They made some changes up front. Um, Rubel got the start uh, at right tackle. 
Uh, I know at some point Bell got some extended playing time, though I don't think he was in on that first series. I think the, the freshman Dickerson, the youngster Dickerson, was in. But the offensive line, first of all, uh, no procedure penalties. Number two, their body language and the way they were looking at each other and the way they were reacting to plays seemed like they were on the same page. We did see occasional breakdown, but it starts up front. They were able to give Dalvin that little crease that we're used to him uh, taking advantage of. They didn't get everybody knocked down. They didn't get everybody out of the way. But unlike the last couple of three ball games, when Dalvin was hesitant when he got to the point of attack, he was exploding through the point of attack in the game against South Florida. And as a result, he gets those 267 yards. Which is a new career best for Dalvin. By one yard. Besting the 266 he had against USF. So I don't know what USF did to offend him at some point along the way, but he certainly uh, does not take it easy on the Bulls from the University of South Florida. You know, it's – you just – Look at last week to this week, and when and I realize it's a different opponent, and I think Louisville is going to prove to be pretty good on defense. But when when Florida State has a Dalvin Cook that needs to be accounted for and is running like that, it opens up the entire offense because they're either struggling to chase Dalvin down or they're busy looking at Dalvin and he doesn't have the ball. And DeAndre Francois just went the other way with it. Second part of what I liked about the game plan against USF is they ran uh, Francois a little bit. You and I had talked during the week that that's one way to get him back. Uh, We thought he was a little bit rattled against Louisville. In fact, I know he was rattled against Louisville. Uh, You could see it in his body language. You could see it in his eyes. Uh, You can look at uh, the interaction he had with Coach Fisher on the sidelines, particularly towards about the middle or the end of the third quarter against Louisville. And, And that was a kid that had been sacked five times and knocked down several others. This week, they made the conscious decision to let him run the ball more. That does two things. Number one, it, it, it gives another person the opportunity to run uh, other than Dalvin or Patrick. Someone else has to be accounted for because the quarterback typically isn't running the football, so you've got an extra man, as they say. And secondly, it's a way for him to get some, some uh, um, confidence. Uh, and I thought early on, you know, he didn't have a great day throwing the, the football. He was, he was efficient at best. But he had 10 carries for 75 yards, and those carries came at some pretty significant times during Florida State's offensive series, and you could see him grow back into that confident uh, Francois that we saw the first part of the season. Yeah, no question, and it just looked like a different offense. By the way, FSU finishes one yard off of the all-time rushing record in, uh, in school history. Uh, so it was a great effort all the way around on the ground. And, and we, let's, we'll break down Francois a little bit more after we first hear from Dalvin Cook after his record-setting day. Here's Dalvin, courtesy of Seminoles.com. Uh, it was very important, and that was our message of us responding this week. And, you know, I think we did a great job in practice of the preparation we had and, and getting everybody ready to go. That first touchdown run after going down 7 nothing really quick, how, how big was that? It was very big to swing the momentum back out to our way and get the defense out of the back on the field and try to get them to get them going. So, you know, the defense has, has some day like that. The offense got to keep them up. And it was one of, them, one of them days how we started. I know the offensive line kind of took a, the brunt of the, the beating this week. Uh, how important was it to see those guys bounce back and play as well as they did? Um, it, was, it was just like they're doing in every practice, man. We're just telling them, man, just loosen up and play our, play our game, you know. 
we ain't new to this, you know, we've been doing this for, for years to come now, so, you know, they, they just came out and did their job very well today. Was it therapeutic for you to get some open space and get out in the open as well? Yeah, I told the offensive line, man, just give me a little bit of space and let me do my job, what I can't afford to state for, and that's, you know, to beat them, them beating guys in open space, and I think we did a good job of putting me in space and letting me get one-on-one. But that said, Jimbo said there's still a lot of work to be done. Your assessment on, on just how much more still needs to be done for this team to, to get better? It's how we play, and and like we got a, a lot of guys banged and bruised right now, and it's next, next man up. And I feel these young guys got to be ready to play. You know, that's why we recruited here to Florida State, this big time university, to play. So these guys got to be ready to play. So it's the little things we got to do in practice. You know, finishing plays. You know, finishing runs and practice tackling in space. And we just got to do a good job of, of this week doing that. So congrats to Dalvin Cook. Good to see him, and uh, that's that bodes well for Florida State as the Knowles return home this week. I mentioned earlier in the program that I thought he showed some leadership that I hadn't seen, and it doesn't mean he hasn't been a leader. Perhaps I haven't been around for it, but uh, I know he was quite vocal in the locker room after the game. Similar message to what Jimbo Fisher delivered, which had to do with not letting a team up off the mat when you have them down and and making sure that you focus for 60 minutes and that sort of thing. So it was good to see that from Dallin. But but what was different, though, Tom, not to disagree with you, but to expand upon that, and you were there, Dalvin was talking to the team, not just the offense. Right. We've been talking about Dalvin being a leader for the offense along with Eberle. Uh, they're probably the two most vocal. Well, here's Dalvin not just talking to the offense, talking to the entire team. Now, let's go back to that concept of platform. All right, here's a guy who had 28 carries for the 267. He had six or four or five catches for 60 yards, whatever mm-hmm. it was, well over 300 yards of offense. He's now telling the defensive guys from a perspective that this is what I did, this is what the offense did. Now, we need you to do your part. So he's speaking to the entire team, not just the offensive side of the ball. That, to me, is significant. Yeah, I thought it was significant, too. And uh, Florida State, you know, there's the old cliche, there's a lot of football left, and Florida State's got to get better each and every week. Next week will be a big challenge. We'll talk about Carolina later on. But to me, they did take a step in the right direction. Certainly on offense, they did with with how they performed. And let's continue that theme. The offensive line has now played four different combinations as starters in four different weeks. That's hard for an offensive line, but this, I thought, was the best effort they've got from their first five. Maybe, maybe they found the five that they want in there from a consistency standpoint, and and as they get reps together in practice and as they are thrown into uh, the fire, as it were, in games, then what you look for is that improvement. That, that getting consistently better. It starts with getting lined up. It starts with no procedure penalties, which we already talked about. It starts with someone doing something wrong and another person looking at them right after the play. That body language and that communication, that negative communication, didn't see much of that at all. And then you start seeing the confidence grow when they look up. Uh, it, you know, I talked uh, a lot about as a defensive back, there's no worse feeling than laying on the ground and knowing the man that you were supposed to tackle is headed in the opposite direction and his jersey number is getting smaller and smaller until he crosses the goal line. Well, there's no better feeling for an offensive lineman than to gauge, hold a block, look up, and see number four or number nine or number 12 moving down the field, and their number is getting smaller and smaller. 
as time goes on. Rod Johnson said exactly that in the postgame on Saturday, uh, that it's great to look up and see the number four in front of you. Uh, let's listen in, though, to uh, one of his uh, fellow line mates and, and sort of the spokesperson of the offensive line. This is center Alec Eberly and his thoughts after a dominant performance, one yard shy of the school rushing record, Alec Eberly, courtesy of Seminoles.com. I mean, I love running the football. I'm an O-lineman. I like to get after it. You know, I like to get after the guy in front of me. And when you get the chance to run the ball constantly and constantly, it gives you a chance to get after somebody constantly and constantly. And, I mean, the most gratifying thing about playing football as offensive lineman is having a run play, and the next thing you know, you look up down that field after you made your block, and you see you running back down there about to score a touchdown. I mean, there's no better feeling in the world than that. Was it fun seeing Dalvin get out in the open space? I know people have been waiting for that. Yeah, I mean, we know how great Dalvin is. He's one of the best, if not the best, backs in the country. And for us to do our job and go out and give him the hole he needs so he can have the game that he wants to have and what the team needs him to have, it's awesome. I mean, I think that he's excited with how we played, and I know we're excited and the coaches are excited to have the offensive line played. I mean, we just got to keep doing this, keep pushing, and keep getting more rushing errors and more touchdowns. I mean, we just got to keep getting better from here, and I think that the, uh, if we do, then the potential is endless. I know the, the message after the game was this team still has a long way to go to yeah. better. What, what does this team need to continue to do? We just got to keep keep being consistent. We got to keep practicing hard. I mean, this team has so much potential. We, we're, we're so I mean, we're not even close to reaching where we can be as a team, as offense and as a defense. I mean, there's so much more. I know we had a, it seemed like we had a great game out there, but there's so much more we can do on offense and so much more we can do on defense. And I'm eager to find out if we can get there and when we get there. As an offensive lineman, there's no greater feeling than you know getting on that block, locking on senior dude next to you bounce off the other to his guy and the next thing you know you looked in the field and you see four or nine or 23 or 12 running their butts down that sideline going to the end zone I mean it, I, I'm, I'm so excited I can I can barely stop smiling just because I'm so I'm so happy with how the offensive line played I mean nothing nothing is good enough we got to keep getting better from here but the fact that today we can make the run game go so well against a pretty good defense line I mean USF has a good defense line they got some big boys some strong guys up there so give them credit I mean they, they came off the ball hard but I'm just super excited with how our offensive line came back, especially after last week and the previous weeks. And when people said we weren't playing that great, I thought today we did a really good job. So good signs for sure for, for Alec Eberly and that offensive line. And, and clearly opponents now are going to have to game plan for the quarterback in the run game. And I do think part of that is that Sean McGuire is, if he's not 100%, he's a lot closer to it now than he was the first three games. And so Florida State was a little more willing to run DeAndre. And second thing is they started getting some of the younger receivers, and we saw Alden Tate with a couple of nice receptions. Uh, I think you'll see Nooney when he gets uh, another opportunity. We know what the ceiling is with the senior wide receivers, and I know Jimbo's disappointed, candidly disappointed, with what the senior wide receivers have brought to the table. And I think he's going to look to some significant increase in playing time for these younger kids. Let's see what they can do and how they perform. I'll tell you who got a lot of snaps yesterday, and he did not have a catch, but uh, Devontae Phillips, Correct. number five, was out there a lot. So, uh, And there was less of Kermit and Bobo. You're talking about the senior receivers. And there was more of Tate and Nooney and Devontae Phillips, along with Travis Rudolph. And Rudolph, by all accounts, uh, works hard. He just had one catch yesterday uh, in a game where really the running game was the, was the story uh, for Florida State in this. But I, I agree. I think the younger receivers are coming. Work ahead, however, on the defensive side. Work ahead on the defensive side, and we'll discuss that when we continue. Florida State wins it 55-35 over USF. Wake Up Knowles returns next on 97.9 ESPN Radio.
Hi, Chris Kraft for Kraft Nissan. Now that we've weathered the storm and our lights are back on, it's time to sell some cars. Nissan Corporate has come through in a big way for the Big Bend, using all of their power and resources to light it up with after-storm savings. At Kraft Nissan, we're talking huge savings. 2016 Altimas and Pathfinders up to $5,000 off MSRP. 2016 Rogues and Muranos are up to $4,000 off MSRP. Or choose 0% for 72 months on any of the four. Plus, get $1,000 to $2,000 cash back. All 2016 Sentras are $3,000 off MSRP. And all 2016 Versa Notes are $2,500 off MSRP. And it's only at Kraft Nissan. And finally, when you want to talk about lighting it up with savings, all 2016 Titan XD two-wheel drives are $10,000 off MSRP. And all 2016 Leafs are $6,000 off MSRP. And you get 0% for 72 months. You get both. Nissan truly has given us the power to save you thousands. Kraft Nissan on Mayhem drive between academy sports and costco interest rates with approved credit must finance through nmac Woohoo! banditos huh where banditos burritos baby your destination is ahead are you paying attention timing is important turn left now take too long to decide you miss your chance oops Okay, Smarty, make you turn in 22 miles. At Prime Meridian Bank, we understand prompt decision-making. We know timely decisions are key to getting where you need to go, in business and in life. How long does it take your bank? Try my bank for business. Prime Meridian Bank, Timberlane Road, Capital Circle Northeast, or at trymybank.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. I don't know why I even bother. Hey Tallahassee, I'm Bob Hobson and now's the time to save big on a new car, truck, or SUV from Hobson Chevrolet Buick in Cairo, Georgia. The hospitality city with up to $10,000 off new Chevy Silverados, including diesels, Suburbans, Tahoes, you name it, we got it. How about the all-new 16 Camaros, Corvettes, and don't forget about our luxury brand Buick. How can you go wrong with up to $10,000 off, more for your trade-in, and 0% available? We just make it easy in Cairo, Georgia. Come by and see us or check us out at Hobson Chevrolet.com. Go Knowles! Wake Up Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, serving the Big Bend area since 1995. Now, more from Tom Block and Keith Jones. You score 55 points, there's going to be a lot to talk about, although quite frankly, Jimbo and company felt like they left points out there. He wasn't pleased with the way the, uh, the offense really finished that game either, but Let's talk about the defense because that's where most of the ire was directed for fans that were upset. Uh, And the defense was great for the middle of the game. Not great for the first two series of the game. Not great with their uh, lack of instinct or focus or whatever it was at the end of the game. So let's start at the beginning. Good place. I was actually more disconcerted about drive number two for USF than the first drive. Only because the first drive was one player that got beat, whereas the second drive looked like a lot of confusion. Much confusion, and again, let's take just a minute and talk about the, the, the scoring play. Uh, USF's second scoring play. There must have been six Florida State defensive players literally running into each other. It looked like Keystone Cops on the, on the defensive right-hand side, the offensive left-hand side, and they turn around, hand the ball to a run to the right side, and they waltz in. My comment about that and all the criticism that's been directed at Kelly and, and the other assistant coaches, well, you can't coach a defense to be that stupid. That's all the kids. And, and immediately when they get them over the sideline, they get things sorted out, then they go back in and play six or seven significant series with no breakdowns. 
I mean, it, it's so frustrating as a former player. It can only be maddening as an assistant coach when you work on all these things during the week and they're done correctly, and then you get into a ball game, and all of a sudden it's like they've forgotten everything they've ever been taught, which was evidenced by you couldn't be any more befuddled than Florida State's defense was on that second scoring play, period, the end. And I know you won't uh, buy my hypothesis on this, and I don't know if it's an accurate one or not, but my sense is they spent all week, uh, probably simplified it, dumbed it down a little bit, went over looks that, that Louisville burned them on, went over what USF has shown, and then USF came out and either stacked or bunched their receivers slightly differently, and it caused just enough confusion to lead to your Keystone Cops point. I can see the look on your face, and you're not buying it. I just don't care. Yeah. At some point, you've got to have been there enough and done it enough that even if it's something you don't recognize, you go base and just protect yourself. You don't run around like a chicken with your head cut off. Let's go back to the first drive. The play was a long touchdown. Tavares McFadden was the corner who got beat. It looked to me like he looked up to the defensive back uh, next to him at the snap of the ball, and that's where there was a little bit of separation. Then mid-route, he looked back at the quarterback, and that's where further separation occurred, and by then it was over. What two words does Coach Fisher talk about all the time? I discipline. Offense or defense, I discipline. When you're in man coverage, you don't look back to the quarterback. You look at the receiver, particularly once the receiver gets a step on you. Because you've got to work, well, you can't run full speed with your head turned back around. It's just not possible. You keep your head pointed right at that receiver and you watch his hands. His hands will take you to the football. He will run with his arms like a sprinter. When that ball gets a little closer, what will he do with his hands? He'll raise them. He'll raise them. When he raises them, you raise yours and get your head back around. Then you've got a chance to make a play on the football. Well, and we saw Marcus Lewis do just that later on in the game. Same type thing. The receiver's hands went up, and uh, now we saw Lewis get called for pass interference. But there's another time where he broke one up and did it just like you're, that. You're going to get some pass interference calls. That's the danger of running man coverage against a team that will challenge you vertically. But it's a 15-yard penalty. Okay? Just make sure he doesn't catch it. Right. If you have to draw the penalty, draw the penalty. That's that's the gamble and the nature of, of drawing it up that way. So I have no problem whatsoever with the interference call. I don't. I just don't want to give up touchdowns. McFadden overall has played pretty well. Matter of fact, last week at Louisville, he was one of the guys that Jimbo said played pretty good on defense. Had a pick in the end zone. Had a pick yesterday. Has three interceptions in four games. Doesn't excuse that mistake. But it just can, makes mistakes. You Tom. can you can see potential is there exactly. But but that's what youth does. Well, hopefully he will learn from that. Uh, you know, again, there's nothing. You can stress it in practice. You can talk about it on tape. You can preach it till you're blue in the face. Uh, but we all got kids. I got grandkids. Until it happens to them and they go, uh-oh, then it doesn't sink in. Well, now, hopefully, that lesson's been learned. Let's talk about what went right for the defense before we get to the second half story because it was seven, eight, nine series in a row there that they really snuffed USF out. It went from 14-7 USF to whatever it got to, 38-14, 45 45-14. 45-14, so I mean 38 unanswered points for Florida State. And during that stretch, the defense played well. I thought that uh, Fred Jones made some plays. I thought that Brian Burns made some plays. I thought that they defended the read option. 
uh, we're going to talk about when they didn't, but during that stretch, they did pretty well. And that's what this defense is capable of doing. And they began on first down. That's the biggest thing they did differently than the Louisville ball game. They controlled uh, South Florida, particularly during that stretch, on first down. Made it second and nine, second and eight. And that puts the offense in a different form, in a different mode when it comes to play calling. Uh, and Florida State did a real good job overall on third down. They were four of 11 in third down stops. But one of the things they did do on those four that were gained is those were third and 13, third and 12, third and eight, and they allowed USF to get a first down and continue a drive. So you've got to win first down, and then you've got to redouble your efforts when it's third and long and get off the field, give the ball back to your offense. One of the things they did with Brian Burns that I liked is they put him sort of in the Derwin James role in the obvious third or passing situation. Uh, what they'll do with Derm Derwin, they call it their dime rabbit package, and they'll, they'll uh, Derwin will come close to the line of scrimmage but be off of the line of scrimmage so the O-lineman can't necessarily make a line call there. And he basically just waits, reads where the OL blocks, and then finds a hole and shoots the gap. Well, they did that with Burns yesterday, and it was productive. He's not a guy, and you and I have talked about this, Tommy, he's not a guy that you want to put in for a whole series. And you don't want to spell him or, or spell uh, Walker or Sweat when he comes back or Pew or whoever. You've got to use him in special situations. He's just not big enough to be an every down uh, defensive end. He will be in time. Uh, once he gets in the weight room, once he gets some, some time under him, he'll be fine. But right now, because of his unique talent, you've got to use him in special situations. And I thought Coach Kelly and Coach Lawley did a very good job of using him in those situations against USF. All right, let's get to the second half. And a guy whose name we haven't mentioned yet but obviously was pretty key is Trey Marshall because Trey Marshall hurt his foot or his ankle or something and they got it taped up, went back and played another couple series. Then they sat him down the rest of the game. At the point he came out of the game, they went to A.J. Westbrook for a series. USF went right down the field, scored. They went to Calvin Bruton the next series. USF went right down the field and scored. The young safeties, whether it was getting lined up or not triggering to the line of scrimmage, combination of both, USF, they they also completed a long pass on Westbrook to the tight end when he was in there. They went right at the safeties, and that was when the defense dipped. Well, USF, you know, their coaching staff uh, has some experience and is well paid as well. And as soon as Trey went out, they immediately identified that freshman or the backup player and went after him. So credit USF's coaching staff for seeing a, a, a good player, a starter for Florida State, out and taking advantage of it. Now. Those kids have got some playing experience. Uh, they hopefully will not make the mistakes they made uh, in Tampa again because you're going to have to use them. But uh, we'll give, we'll give uh, uh, the Bulls some credit for taking advantage of that situation. Let's talk about you're a former safety. So uh, when you look at the read option and you talk about triggering downhill, uh, is it just that they're taking too long to read their keys and get toward the line of scrimmage, meaning the, the opposing quarterback in this case is already – 10 yards upfield before they're reading and reacting? I think the biggest thing, Tommy, is, is and this is a, a coaching philosophy, I, I think at some point Florida State needs to understand that they're getting hurt by the quarterback, whoever the quarterback is. And so let's change the philosophy a little bit. Let's do no reading. Let somebody take out the quarterback and let the running back do the damage. 
and take that kind of away from the read option. I would look for that to be a little bit of a change, at least in certain calls, as Florida State goes forward. And is it fair to say that the defensive struggles in the second half were purely on those safeties, or did you see other things in terms of guys losing focus, losing the edge, I, I getting think, out of their gaps? I think it was almost on the safeties, almost all on the safeties. Because w- once, once you read run, you've got you've to fill inside out, and you've got to make that quick. You can't be lollygagging back there. Uh, you wait a second, and that creates a, a lane that's three or four yards wide. You've got to make that read. You've got to get up quick, and, and the safeties just didn't do that once Trey got out of there. Anybody else defensively that we need to shout out for how they played? I thought I thought uh, White had a pretty good ball game at the corner. You didn't see any miscues on his side. They were attacking the other, uh, and he came up with some big plays on a couple of occasions. He's sort of becoming like Ramsey was last year. You don't t- he's not getting a ton of stats because he's not being challenged a lot. Well, oppon- opponents know who he is, where he is, and they're staying away from him. Yeah, no question about that. As Florida State. Uh, Gives up 35 points. They'll be disappointed about that, and uh, they will turn their attention to a UNC team uh, that is a very, very good football team and can complete the forward pass, which will be a little bit of a different dynamic than the running quarterback, and we'll break that down in this next segment. Florida State 55, USF 35. More to come right after this. Wake Up Knowles returns next on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Strike through the competition with your heavy-duty Milwaukee power tools. M18 Fuel, two-tool combo kit, $100 off, plus free third battery or cordless hacksaw while supplies last. Offer good in both locations. Tallahassee location open from 8 a.m. till noon on Saturday. Trade-ins are welcomed on Milwaukee brands. $100 off different Milwaukee power tools. Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, your professional serious do-it-yourself shop. 1110 Stuckey Avenue in Tallahassee or at 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Visit online at ctf.nu. Hi, Chris Kraft for Kraft Nissan. Now that we've weathered the storm and our lights are back on, it's time to sell some cars. Nissan Corporate has come through in a big way for the Big Bend, using all of their power and resources to light it up with after-storm savings. At Kraft Nissan, we're talking huge savings. 2016 Altimas and Pathfinders up to $5,000 off MSRP. 2016 Rogues and Muranos are up to $4,000 off MSRP. Or choose 0% for 72 months on any of the four. Plus, get $1,000 to $2,000 cash back. All 2016 Sentras are $3,000 off MSRP. And all 2016 Versa Notes are $2,500 off MSRP. And it's only at Kraft Nissan. And finally, when you want to talk about lighting it up with savings, all 2016 Titan XD two-wheel drives are $10,000 off MSRP. And all 2016 Leafs are $6,000 off MSRP. And you get 0% for 72 months. You get both. Nissan truly has given us the power to save you thousands. Kraft Nissan on Mayhem Drive between Academy Sports and Costco. Interest rates with approved credit must finance through NMAC. Your destination is ahead. Are you paying attention? Timing is important. Turn left now. Take too long to decide. You miss your chance. Oops. Okay, Smarty, make you turn in 22 miles. At Prime Meridian Bank, we understand prompt decision-making. We know timely decisions are key to getting where you need to go, in business and in life. How long does it take your bank? Try my bank for business. Prime Meridian Bank, Timberlane Road, Capital Circle Northeast, or at trymybank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. I don't know why I even bother. 
Save, save, save. Your best deal on a new used car, truck, or SUV is always in Cairo, Georgia. I'm Bob Hobson, and all we do is make it easy to buy a vehicle. After 15 years in Cairo and over 35 years in the car business, I understand your time is very valuable. And all you want is the best deal the first time. No games here. You will get it. With other $10,000 in discounts and more for your trade-in, you can't beat a Hobson deal. Come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy your new Chevrolet, the Hobson way. Go Knowles! The Jeff Cameron Show. I've done this before and ended up pissing people off, and, and I don't care about that. If I did, I wouldn't be doing this. Nobody uses the tragedy of 9-11 better than Rick Patino does in a time of crisis. To use it every time he's facing a serious PR blunder or nightmare to elicit some sort of sympathy, I find that abhorrent. I don't know who wouldn't. I don't. Maybe you find it genuine. I don't. Have you now reached the conclusion that something did happen in Billy Minardi Hall? Mike, you've known me a long time since you were a kid watching the Knicks. Yeah. Billy Minardi Hall was built by me and his friends that lost him in 9-11. If someone broke a chair in that dormitory, I would immediately go over there and, and, and get that chair fixed. That's how much this dormitory meant to me. It was a sanctuary. It meant the world to me. It was a sanctuary? An athletic dorm was a place of refuge for you, Rick? Where he'd fix any chair that was broken. Any any light bulb. Anybody said anything about anything over there. I'm on my way. If one stool had a longer leg than all the others, I'd I'd, I'd, I'd even them out. It's a safe harbor. I'd sand it down. An oasis of peace. (laughs) This this door. It's what it is to me. A shelter, a retreat to me. It's how we can overcome tragedy in our lives. It's not a hideout. It's a sanctuary, a port in the storm. Weekdays 3 to 6 on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Wake Up Knowles is brought to you by Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, serving the Big Bend area since 1995. Now, more from Tom Block and Keith Jones. So Florida State wins the game, wins it big over USF. The Knowles are now 3-1. and one. Dalvin Cook's back. Before we uh, look ahead to next week, uh, other general thoughts. We didn't talk about special teams a whole lot, but I thought Bobo looked pretty good on punt returns. They weren't the best punts, so he had some room when he made the catches. Uh, I thought Kermit had some nice kick returns, and, and obviously the, uh, the, the PATs were good in Florida State. Now owns a college football record for the most consecutive point after touchdowns ever. And it, it's both of the Aguayos, and then who started that? Dustin, Dustin Hopkins right, started. So Dustin Hopkins hits his last 50 mm-hmm. PATs consecutively. Aguayo, the first one, Roberto, made 198. I don't know the number offhand. A bunch. Now Ricky's come in and made whatever the number is, and Florida State now holds the consecutive PAT record at 200 and we should look this up but it's 247 248 whatever it is well I, the big the more impressive number to me is that it's a record that stood since like 78 to 82 time frame or somewhere well, in there well not only that it took i believe i looked it up it took 11 years to set that record previously oh okay so it was a longer time frame and in this year we're in year six <laughs> of setting it that's how much scoring offenses have changed uh over that decade two decades uh, since then, and there's certainly some irony too, because uh, you're talking about a kick, uh, a school that has four place kickers in the NFL now, and uh, has the most accurate kicker in college football history in Aguayo with the Bucks. 
now owns this record, and we still have those haunting we're still, shadows. We're still of, known as Phil Go You or, or Wide Right you, you or whatever. All right, well, we don't have to talk about that now, but I thought that was good. Anything else special teams-wise that you're noticing? Well, again, just to reiterate, I thought uh, the punt returns were very good. Remember, the number one thing you've got to do is not let that ball hit the ground. And there were one and maybe two. I'd have to go back and look at the tape where where uh, Bobo didn't get up and get them. Uh, excuse me, Kermit did not get up and get them. But uh, there were a couple that he made an outstanding effort to go out and get the ball. And as a result, you know, that's that's that hidden yardage right. that Coach Fisher talks about. And you're adding 20 or 25 yards to every possession. When you field the ball, get upfield six or eight yards, as opposed to letting that ball hit and roll 15 the other way. Uh, kickoffs, again, were good. Kickoff coverage was good. And, and there were no breakdowns in the punt game. Uh, Logan Tyler, who obviously is responsible for kickoffs and punts, I, I think he had an outstanding day. You know, in terms of things to clean up, from a penalty standpoint, pretty clean game. Ron Cherry makes, uh, uh, you know, everybody always has comments when Ron Cherry, he's actually a pretty good official. He's, can he's, can he, I do it? Go ahead. Can I do it? Holding on the offense. But we didn't have any holding calls yesterday. I'm making it up, Tommy. Be quiet. I understand. Holding on the offense. Florida State's 2-0 and in games officiated I'm by Ron Cherry. I'm not done Cherry. yet. Go ahead. <laughs> He's giving them the business. No, four penalties, uh, no offsides, no holding, no false starts. Now, I will say this. The unsportsman penalty on the long run by Dalvin, Dalvin and I would have a talk. That is so egregious. That you just don't. In fact, I would have sat Dalvin for a series or two. I would have disciplined him. You don't do that. And he's going to be a leader. You got to do it 100%, Dalvin. You can't do it 98% of the time. Right. We don't need that nonsense. Right. Uh, one thing that uh, that showed, and this was not all on Francois. Some of it was on veterans who didn't get the play call or didn't get lined up. But we did see several occasions where Jimbo had to burn a timeout because the offense was late coming out of the huddle, late getting to the line of scrimmage. Uh, one time, I know for a fact, I was standing right behind Coach Fisher. There was about 18 seconds when they, uh, and he was screaming at him, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. They finally kind of nonchalantly get to the line of scrimmage with nine seconds left, and he disgustedly takes a timeout. This was in the first half. So point being, that's something for DeAndre Francois. It's not all second nature yet in terms of, of you know, he's still kind of going through his mental checklist, do this, do that, and that's something he's got to work on. Very much so, and by the way, You've got to remember, too, and Jimbo knows this better than anybody. You say, well, wait a minute. Clay got in at 18, and he called timeout at 9. Well, that's because Francois has to have time to get to the line and make another call about what the final call is. You know, check to a run, check out of the run. He's got to have a few seconds. You can't just be getting set and then centering the ball with three seconds left because there's other things that have to be done. And, and Jimbo obviously knows that. That's why he's encouraging him to hurry up, even though there's 18 seconds left on that clock. What other things, and I'll mention, I'll get to North Carolina momentarily, aside from 60 minutes of focus and everybody doing their job, does FSU need to focus on right now that you see? It, it goes back to we're playing on a national stage, there's a tendency, particularly for young players, to want to do too much. 
just do your job. I realize that's simplistic. I realize that a lot of our listeners would look at that and say, well, they should know that by now. Well, they don't know that by now. These kids are four- and five-star athletes. They've been uh, stars on their high school teams. They've come into college. They don't understand the big picture. They haven't experienced it yet. They all think they're, they're going to play in the NFL. They all think they're going to be a first-round draft pick. They don't understand playing role doing your job, how, how 11 fit together, because at their high school, they had to do everything. And that maturation process, and the sooner these kids come to understand that if they'll play sound fundamental football, we say this all the time, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. You get that crap on tape, if you're good enough, the NFL will find you. You don't have to create plays. You just got to do your job and let plays come to you, and you'll be in the NFL if you if you're good enough to be in the NFL. If not, all you're going to do is keep screwing up, and you're never going to get drafted. And 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 if you don't get your degree, where are you going to be? So it's it's all about the maturity and the maturation process of understanding how all this fits together. One more thing about DeAndre. We saw this for one series against Ole Miss, but we saw it for a couple series yesterday, and that was he wasn't quite stepping into some throws, and he short-hopped a few balls, which I know that's a confidence and a mechanics thing, uh, but he's got room for growth clearly in the passing game. Let me. I won't disagree with you, but let me point out another part of what that is. That's also being fatigued in a different way. Because when you run the football, that's a different exertion of energy. If you'll look at what happened to the USF quarterback, you'll notice that he short hopped three or four balls during the ball game. That's because you get winded and you, you just don't go through your mechanics. So it's a combination maybe of not stepping through and being fun, fundamentally sound. But that's also a byproduct of running your quarterback because he gets a little more tired and a little more winded than would normally be the case. Well, and Jimbo is not going to run his quarterback 20 times a game. But I think what we saw with DeAndre, uh, you may get four runs a half going forward because he can run the football. And not only that, once he starts that, he can pull up. They didn't do much of any of the waggle. Uh, you know, they did it a couple times. But that that is an unbelievably... Uh, good play for the DeAndre Francois of the world because if he can make that first guy miss, it's going to give him three or four more seconds to look down the field to throw the ball. If nothing there, he can take off, get six or eight real easy. All right, FSU's back home next week against North Carolina. I'll say this, Keith, this has been a grueling first month, not just the caliber of opponents. You had three trips in four weeks. You had a hurricane that rearranged things. You had a Monday night game and a short week to a Saturday. You got the Showtime cameras around. Uh, There's been a lot to contend with now as the calendar will be on October before FSU plays its next game. And and you've got an opponent in North Carolina, which uh, probably is the most improved program in the ACC over the last two years. Uh, you know, obviously, you'd look for Clemson as maybe the most improved over the last four years, but Carolina has been phenomenal the last couple of years. Uh, they run the up-tempo, fast-paced offense. Uh, they run the read option. They've had a quarterback in Williams prior that could throw the ball down the field. They've got some quality receivers. They play good fundamental defense because they go up against that offense during practice during spring ball and in fall camp. So you going up-tempo is not going to make their defense get on their heels as much. And, and, and they've been winning. And winning breeds confidence. And this is going to be a very tough, 
strong opponent coming into Doak Campbell Stadium in Carolina. Their quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, engineered quite a comeback uh, yesterday over Pitt. They were down 13. Uh, one of the drives, he, he converted on several fourth downs. They take their only lead of the game with two seconds to go. They win it. So they're 3-1, and one, uh, the lone loss against Georgia in game one. This is a guy, though, he's not uh, as mobile as what they've had previously. This is a guy that's thrown for over 800 yards the last two weeks. So let me ask you this. If you have a quarterback that's not a dual threat the way the last two guys have been, even though FSU has struggled to get lined up and blown some coverages, is that better in terms of preparation this week? Well, what, what you've done previously is you, you've said you want opposing quarterbacks in Kelly and in, and in Jackson. You want them to beat you throwing the ball. So you wanted to shut down the run against Ole Miss and against Louisville. I'm not sure your tactic is the same against Carolina. You may want him to have to run the ball. In other words, you may pressure him. You may bring more blitzes to try to make him make decisions quicker and to get out and try to use his feet because he's not as dangerous a runner as those two previous kids were or even the kid from USF. So it just may change what you call in terms of what you emphasize. Kickoff 3.30 for that game coming up at uh, Doe Campbell Stadium on Saturday, and it'll be just the second game of the year. Florida State will be going for its first ACC win as all the non-conference is now out of the way, save for Florida at the end of the year. Well, let's bring it back full circle to this USF game, KJ. You and I, before the game, commented uh, we didn't have a great feel for what we'd see out of Florida State. How are they going to respond against USF? And we also made the comment, even if they play great, I'm not sure that is going to indicate to me how they're going to play against UNC. Uh, I, I like the fact uh, that they did play pretty well for the most part. They responded to the fact that they were on the road and got behind early, didn't seem to phase them. Uh, and there's also a lot of teachable moments there based on the fact that they didn't play a full 60. So obviously you'd rather see the full 60, but uh, I thought it was a step in the right direction considering last week was a step in the wrong direction. Well, first of all, we wanted to win. Dumb statement. We got that. Second of all, we wanted improvement. We saw some of that. Thirdly, we started seeing some things we didn't know we would see. Six or seven or eight series, however many it was, where the opponent doesn't score. Uh, five or six series where you score consecutively in those unanswered points. We weren't sure we'd see either one of those, so we got a little glimpse of that. So I'm encouraged. Uh, by no means am I back to the same part point I was on the Friday before the Louisville game. Uh, I'm not anywhere close to being there yet. Uh, the disappointment, the bad taste in the mouth still reigns, but the kids responded for this first little step. Let's see if they continue to make steps as they have uh, North Carolina on the horizon. One more reminder, if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway online at ctf.nu. He's Keith, I'm Tom. Join us Wednesday night at 6 for the front row right here. The news is good. Florida State back on the winning track. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. So long for now. Straight through the competition with your heavy-duty Milwaukee power tools. M18 Fuel. Two-tool combo kit, $100 off, plus free third battery or cordless hacksaw while supplies last. Offer good in both locations. Tallahassee location open from 8 a.m. till noon on Saturday. Trade-ins are welcomed on Milwaukee brands. $100 off different Milwaukee power tools. Cornerstone Tool and Fastener, your professional serious do-it-yourself shop. 1110 Stuckey Avenue in Tallahassee or at 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Visit 
visit online at ctf.nu. Your destination is ahead. Are you paying attention? Timing is important. Turn left now. Take too long to decide. You miss your chance. Oops. Okay, Smarty, make you turn in 22 miles. At Prime Meridian Bank, we understand prompt decision-making. We know timely decisions are key to getting where you need to go, in business and in life. How long does it take your bank? Try my bank for business. Prime Meridian Bank, Timberlane Road, Capital Circle Northeast, or at trymybank.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. I don't know why I even bother. Hey, Tallahassee, I'm Bob Hobson, and now's the time to save big on a new car, truck, or SUV from Hobson Chevrolet Buick in Cairo, Georgia, the hospitality city, with up to $10,000 off new Chevy Silverados, including diesels, Suburbans, Tahoes, you name it, we got it. How about the all-new 16 Camaros, Corvettes, and don't forget about our luxury brand, Buick. How can you go wrong with up to $10,000 off, more for your trade-in, and 0% available? We just make it easy in Cairo, Georgia. Come by and see us or check us out at Hobson Chevrolet.com. Go Knowles. The Jeff Cameron Show. The ACC Digital Network. Brought to you by Carabas. All ACC schools. All ACC sports. All the time. Duke's Harry Giles. Virginia's Austin Nichols. And FSU's Jonathan Isaac. To help lead the way for the ACC, be sure and catch the action on the ACC mobile app. Good afternoon, ACC Network. <laughs> Ma'am, I'd like to know where I could find Colgate in Syracuse. One moment, please. Can you hear me, ma'am? I don't care. It's all right. I'll check for myself. I know they can hear me. I know they can hear me. This pisses me off. Ma'am. We can hear you, sir. Yes, it is on the, it's on the ACC app. Weekdays 3 to 6 on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Broadcasting live from the Dale Earnhardt Jr. Buick GMC Cadillac Studios. This is 97.9 ESPN Radio. WTSM, Woodville, Thomasville, Tallahassee.